0: welcome to this special edition of the evolution exchange podcast this episode was recorded during a meetup event at the STEM office in sodomal and the event was created to bring nordic tech leaders together to discuss how to improve as a leader and the discussion is held by four great managers including tobias soston as your host connects with me abby stokes on linkedin to hear about
1: future meetup events and you may be able to listen to our next special podcast edition live but for now enjoy this episode
3: If you would like
2: to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech, data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organisation
3: to work with, please get in touch. Thank
2: you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast.
3: Right. Great. Thank you everyone for coming. It was a quite short notice for this, uh, but that's as reasons. We had uh, a. We and Maddy math through this evolution podcast. So I, I've been there, I think all of us, maybe. Uh, I've been on the podcast. And then as we were talking to uh, Abby about food and recommendations and stuff like that, and we said, you have to meet me So we went for lunch, uh, 10 minutes into lunch, we were like, you know what, we have to do a meetup. Like, we have to get people together to talk about this stuff that we both really, really enjoy. So that's, that's about three we I'm going to introduce these guys uh, later, first, and we can talk yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, my name is Tobias, and I work in CIL. I, I started as a engineering manager in uh, January 2022. So, almost one and a half years as a manager. And before that, I think I'm a formal leader in some kind of way uh, for some time. Um, but as I stepped into my role as a formal, former, informal manager, and I realized that I went from being a senior developer to being a junior manager. And as I see all my junior developers, in many ways, they, they think they know everything, but they know it's still part of this big scope. So I realized, like, you know, I have to be humble about this. Like, there's so much things I don't, I don't. So I reached out to a lot of people who have lunches and talk to other managers here, here in, the, in the house, and I learned so much from them. So for me... You know, this is very, very selfish. Like I thought, if we could get three experts on stage and I get the cost of this, like that would be us. Nice. So that's, that's uh, how we came to be here today. And uh, I'm super happy that other people find this interesting as well to get to listen and, and learn from them. So we, we want to bring engineering managers together to, to learn from each other. And this is the first um, a bit chaotic, I uh, think event that we have we'll to learn as with the law but it's also to see only your hair shake. And the topic for today is, uh, is around that, that transition that you've gone from you going to becoming a winning and everything that is involved around that and what you need to do to take your next steps off, basically. We had, we had a chat, uh, this group before, and discussions were all over the place and like, a lot of interesting stuff, so that's the starting point. We'll see where we go from there. I've uh, sure, chose to be a lot of interesting stuff. If you guys are a lot of and you have any questions, you have some input, like you have a lot of experience as well, you know, feel free to you know, engage. We keep this interact. So let's start with Mehdi. You you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thanks the way I still bring everybody up to
2: speed, what we are up to and what, what is the direction. Uh, my name is Mehdi. Uh, I've been in Sweden for one and a half year. Uh, prior to that, I was living in Malaysia for 15 years. Uh, I'm originally from Iran and I've been in industry for, for 14 years for, uh, starting my career as software engineer and moving forward to team lead, project manager, Product manager, software architect. I play a, little, a lot, of, a lot of roles, and I've seen a lot of challenges along the way. And I would like to learn from different people, different angle. Uh, from personal note, I'm uh, really passionate for food. I really like different food, trying different food. Not really into cooking, but just eating. <laughs> I have a dog. I like, I like to go for a walk with my dog to the nature. And uh, I'm a big fan of listening to audiobook and also reading, reading, uh, watching movies, learning from other people. Yeah, that is
4: about me. It's I have nothing. Great, so uh, two session introduction, two minute introduction of myself. So I'm an industrial engineer from Chile. Uh, I've been working with tech for the last 12 years. Uh, And kind of like that similar path, you know, like we all started like as software engineers, maybe. Uh, And then like I went deep into tech itself. I became a professor at the university, so I worked there as a professor for four years. And then I became really obsessed with DevOps. I really like DevOps in general. And uh, I moved to Italy and worked there for two years. I worked there as a DevOps engineer for United Nations and uh, things happened. I met my wife Italy and I moved to Sweden and also working as in engineering here, IT engineering, uh, working as a consultant, uh, also as an engineering manager. So yeah, I think that's a fast introduction of myself. Chris
1: and Joanne. Nice. Thank you both. I'm super humble to sit here both, decide both of you. This is gonna be really, really interesting. Uh, my name is Joanne. Uh, I've been in the, I don't even as I said before, I don't even know what to call this any longer, but the tech industry, whatever you want to call it, for the last 25 years. Uh, as everyone else, I started out as a software engineer back in the days, and I wasn't the best engineer, but I was quite good in understanding what needed to be built. So I moved into this PM role that, that uh, most of us have today, right? And I did that for a couple of years. I got really fascinated in how come some teams are always able to perform, Uh, They have a really good team spirit, they are really social, everything is working. They don't need to do 24-hour crunches, everything is just delivered on time. While other teams always seem to fail, whatever you do. Uh, And for the last 50 years or so, I've been trying to build high-performing teams and high-performing organizations. And that's something I find really, really interesting. And I have, I must say from the beginning, I have no silver bullet for any kind of solution here. But I would really like to hear and get input and discuss these topics because everything that can make us make a better decisions will help the organization improve that's bit that's me thank you of course, solve some uh, some tractable
3: stuff before we sign so uh, we're gonna to do this for a mountain tower or something like that, and then whoever wants to join us we'll will move on after that or we'll put let that later. uh. So we, we started this by like, defining what we're going to talk about. And everyone here came up with some really good questions. So uh, we think we could start with those questions and we we'll see where, where we we'll take it from there. And the, the idea here is to come up with a lot of interesting stuff, a lot of interesting questions, and hear about different perspectives. Not like you was mentioning, not to come up with a definite answer. So if not, you will asked uh, the question about the difference between an engineering manager and similar positions like a project manager or a scrum master or stuff like that so and then how that role can like how that definition can differ between different companies did mm-hmm. you want to start off by definitely yeah okay.
4: no. So I think that it's uh if we're gonna talk about engineering man- being an engineering manager, it's uh, let's start there. You know, what is an engineering manager? Like how, how is that different from a project manager or a tech lead? You know that there's like similar terms, but they like with, wherever you go, if you go to different companies, this seems to be different somehow in different companies. So I, I like I don't know if I have the book definition of an engineering manager. But at least every time that I think about it, uh, it's where where I see an engineering manager excelling. It's where you mix the tech and the people. So it's two super important key things. It's it's not only the tech. It's not only the t- the people. Is the combination. So and and what does an engineering manager do? Well, the engineering manager takes care of like combining both things and making things happen with both resources. With a lot of knowledge about tech, an engineering manager for me needs to have that experience, needs to come with the technical background, but at the same time, he needs to be able, he or she of course, needs to be able to uh, relate to people, to communicate uh, within the group of people and excel in those lines. Uh, So and, and then when it comes to like trying to differentiate between, okay, isn't that what a project management does at the same time? Well, depending on the company, it could be possible that you see like a lot of similarities between the roles. But let's just do the first comparison with a project manager. Okay, maybe the project manager has the, he has the people as well, but it's more involved in the product and the development of the product and more customer related an engineering manager on the other side for me it's more related to tech and
1: people so at least that's my definition it isn't a super simplified definition definitely yes. is it the what and the how yes Right. so the, the pm is usually responsible for what we are doing yeah. and the em is usually responsible for how and, and then exactly. who is doing exactly uh, but i have a question for you so you are in at the Vesta today yeah you got a bunch of ems reporting to you right so do, do your EMs also do hands-on tech or are they only owner but only both managing how they should be doing it and who's doing it? At this specific company, no. Uh, in, in terms that uh,
4: it's a small company, so the EM that it, it's, uh, it's doing everything, you know, it's involving the tech, it's involving the people and also because it's a startup, it's involving Making that the desk, uh, making sure that the desks are clear, you know, like cleaning up the office. You know, at a startup it's a different life, I would say. Uh, But uh, at some companies, like bigger companies, the role is very defined, and you see that engineering managers are not even involved in tech, like in the tech itself. They they are more involved in in the
1: processes, in the internal company processes, more than the tech itself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, we we just to answer that. I fully agree with that. So my the company that I used to work for before, uh, we were under fifty people. Uh, the company where I am in today, we are a, a little bit more than six hundred, and there is a big difference in the responsibility of the engineer manager in these companies. We, I prefer to have EMs that are tilted towards the technical side, but we see that their the process responsibilities grows in the large organization. So we had EMs in my prior company that actually did hands-on coding. Also, they didn't really have time for it, but they should have the skill set to get into depth. of it. But in in this organization, we see that there are so many things with, I don't know, everything from planning processes to recruitment processes to whatnot process that needs to be handled by the EM to ensure that the team is able to deliver. Sure. Uh, and I think it really depends on the size of the organization.
4: Completely agree with you. Yeah, I
2: totally. Uh- that is really good point that you bring into the surface uh, each organization based on the structure that they have based on the size that they have they are totally different and they define different roles and whether those rules work or not it shows in long term that whether they well defined whether people they're buying it or it's just a matter of title and hierarchy uh, in some organization, that hierarchy works. In some organization, they try to rework it because they see that it's not really working. I've been in organization that there was development management instead of engineering management. It was only project management. It was like different organizations uh, have their own approach. In uh, the book, The Management Manager Path, they try to articulate each and every position to really good definition. But at the end of it, she also mentioning that it's not clear God It's different from each organization to another. But at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. It's not only technical, it's people management that is come combined into it as well. And from my point of view, it's really essential. In some organization, they try to make flat organization. Or they try to get rid of the rule in a way or another, which it did not work based on what I discussed people yeah. so far. Google they did this approach as well. For, for, for a period of time, they said, "We don't want any manager, only engineer. And they decided to go back and bring the enge- uh, engineer manager because not only it not worth it, it was not working, people they wanted it to be there. They wanted somebody give them true north, give them feedback. They rely on them, and based on what people are people requiring, the employers within the organization requiring that role supposed to be defined, not the other way around. Yeah. All bullet points. So I
3: think you're touching on something interesting here. So if you, want, you mentioned that you have some process uh, responsibility where that, that can shift between yeah. different companies, and we're talking about engineering managers here. Versus, so so, could you then juxtapose this against managers? Like, what are some uh, responsibilities specific to engineering managers versus managers?
1: Yeah, so so, I could say the engineering managers that I have in in my part organization, I want them to own the engineering strategy for that team or the domain that they are responsible for. They should have a plan for how they want to remove technical depth. Uh, Reduce the, the engineering maintenance and, and those kind of things. The, the engineering burden, make, uh, in, so to say. They should really be, have a plan for that and, and own that and know uh, how to tackle that. In the balance with the product managers that bring in the commercial and product values into these discussions. So we don't end up in a situation where we are only focusing on new product development, for example. And... Uh, We build up a lot of engineering legacy or maintenance burden that we need to carry with. Uh, So, that's one typical process. I want an engineer manager to have that kind of responsibility. Another responsibility, another process that I want is that an engineer manager should be responsible for having to create competence in the team that they are managing. And that means that it might mean that you need to recruit people. Uh, Worst case scenario, you need to let people go. But in, in best case scenario, you need to recruit people but you also need to ensure that your people is growing and developing. So if we see that there is a shift in the uh, tech stack that we're using, we need to have the engineers moving with that. Uh, and it's the uh, engineer manager's responsibility to ensure that the teams that are responsible for this have the right kind of staffing than for recruiting or, or skilling up people. Yeah, and, and I also think that
4: different from just, let's call it, General managers. Uh, for me, it's the technical portion of it. Is that at least so far I haven't met an uh, an engineering manager that it's that it's not technical that it doesn't have somehow a bit of technical background and and it's the one that it's responsible for. Okay, what's our like you were saying our tech debt? Uh, what's our path moving forward and and all of those decisions, dark. Are somehow technical, not in the technical level where you need to go there and code with the team. Probably in some companies you don't need to do that, but at least you have to have like a good overview of what's happening in tech in general. Like where where is the tech going? Where in our field, in our industry? What are other companies using? Like why are we not there, or why are we using something that no one else is using? You know some of these questions that maybe a general manager would never even question because uh, those persons maybe are not involved in tech like an, uh, a good engineering manager will be able to look at those things, evaluate those things and come up with a plan on how can we get to that state that maybe we want to be in a year, two years uh, five years down the line and and I think that, that for me makes the difference between a manager and engineering manager That's awesome. yes. and, and I think it's interesting that you all of course, come from an engineering
3: background yourself. Uh, so for me, uh, relating back to me myself, when I took the step, I remember I I started doing coding on the site, like a whole bit programming to the inside. And it's and like I love it. Like I, this is why I get well, got into this business together because I love programming. and Now I get to do it on my free time, doing whatever project. So that that was great for me. But as you made the transition, um, is there something that you would have wanted to let yourself know, like? If you could talk to your gender self when you step into this position, is there something you've could, would like to tell your gender self?
2: Yes, this is something that <clears throat> really interesting. When uh, then when we go further and further, our vision is going wider and wider. We know we know things. We see things that it is more clear for us. Uh, at later down on your career, you f- you feel like there are things that. You put yourself in too much pressure that was not necessary. you feel like there there was a bit of lack of authenticity that you could go the same route and even get better results with having better authenticity and not afraid of making mistake, doing risk, learning from others, asking for help. These are the things that if I go back, to younger myself, I give advice to myself that, hey, this is going to help you to go the same journey, but with more pleasure and focus on not only the result, but the journey as well, because this is what really make you or break you. If you focus on the journey, no matter what you come across, you, you look at it as a challenge and you welcome it because you, want, you, 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 you have been expecting it all along. But if you're only having the destination on your mind, whatever it comes to you, you see it as a barrier and it's PCO.
0: That's
3: good. Do you want to add something to that,
4: Yeah, I think that for me, I would say something like very, very concrete in terms that... Uh, and whenever I speak to people that are in this, uh, same journey you now, in this transition between being a software engineer and then trying to uh, like dip their feet into engineering manager it's uh, or, and it happened to me as well. I was afraid to like, let go of code of coding. I like coding. It's something that I really enjoy. And, and I, I didn't come from a coding background. I learned to code my way up, you know, and, um. And I was really afraid of letting go because it was what I I, I felt that I was good at, and uh, and then I I felt that the only way to move forward was to let go of coding, and and then for me it felt super scary because okay why would I let go of something that I'm good at to become bad <laughs> at something that I don't even know, uh, so uh, I think in that transition uh, I learned that actually yes it's true that you eventually code less and less and less but it's because of other reasons it's not that you become less technical but it's also that there are so many other problems going on at the same time that actually it's impossible for you to be everywhere you need to trust people you need to let people do what they're good at at the moment and and is build of people that they are at different stages at the same time so uh if i could like Let myself know, like my past self, it's like, it's okay to let go a little bit, you know. It's okay to, okay, just move on. Uh, But at the same time, it's not something that you're going to lose. It's just that you're going to experience it in a different way. I think that's at least uh, what I would tell to myself. In came back home. Yeah, it should.
3: And you think, guys, that Sunlight is actually maybe a little dangerous for folks that they are thinking about transitioning from IC role, from a software engineer, towards an EM as a, some kind of promotion step beyond and so forth. Whereas, where the more safer approach is to actually think about it as a completely different role. And think about it, that the things that led you to a success in your IC bluff might actually be really tricky for you in your managerial. Yeah. And to put it very strictly, hey, it is a different job. You have to start thinking different. And then those questions, as it said, should I culture or not, if you think from the starting of point, oh, I ain't calling one hundred percent.
1: Maybe if you think the other way
3: around, if this is the job, this is a new job, if there is a place for coding or not, maybe it should be zero percent. direct. So I believe in this fork in the rope. No, very much. I believe in the pendulum. Because obviously there is an overlap. And the overlap is leadership. Yes, no. Because either or you are on one path or the other, but this is supposed to tweak. So what do you think about it? You has to make sense and be actually super strict and say
1: I think that or if you, would you so so I, I I love this question. So um when when I decided to shift from being an, an engineer and a developer into a more manager role, there wasn't really this path that you have today. So today it's super obvious for everyone that you can become an IC or you can become a manager. I don't know, 50 years ago, when I had these thoughts that you were working as an engineer, your next step was to become a manager. There wasn't really a pause that said, you can become a staff engineer or a principal engineer or going down into that super deep engineering knowledge, right? Uh, And I think I was just going to ask ask you that it was so nice that you brought this up because I I really think that being an engineering manager isn't for everyone. And that's totally fine. Because you can be a super good engineer. One of my best peers at the office is the staff engineer. It's one of the people that I trust the most. And he's basically my right hand. I, I can ask him for anything. And I can just put any kind of odd task on him. And I know that he will take it, run with it, and come back a couple of days later saying, OK, so this is what we need to do. Or this is the thing that we need to And if he wasn't there, I wouldn't be able to do my job as good as I am, uh, so I really think this is this is a really good question, and, and I'm so happy for everyone today that have this opportunity to actually choose: do I want to continue down the engineering path, or do I want to go into a, a manager path? Uh, so I think it's it's really really interesting. Uh, I had one uh, comment on on you, your stuff also, Made. I think it's it's really really good to ask for help. Uh, It's so easy in the beginning to think that you know everything. Uh, I would recommend you to find someone that you can talk to, ask questions to. Uh, It doesn't have to be anyone in an organization. It can be someone in an organization. It can can be a manager. But try to find someone where you can just ask those stupid questions. I had a a peer uh, back when I started... And we were basically doing the same things. I was working as a consultant. He was working as a consultant in the same organization, but at, with different assignments. And we could always ask those stupid questions to each other. Like, okay, so we're going to have this meeting. What I never had run one of these before. What do I need to prepare? Uh, and so that's something that really helped me in the beginning to have someone that can say, I did this last week. This is how we did it. This was the good outcome from it. This is what I felt was missing. Please try and add that to your meeting and see what happened or whatever it might have been, right? So I really think asking awesome for help and finding someone, some kind of peer that can help you and provide feedback for you in the beginning is really, really good for you, right?
3: Yeah, that's, yeah. And a lot of people are going before us on mistakes.
1: Yeah, exactly.
3: And related, I could also totally recommend putting together a panel discussion so you can sit and ask a lot of questions to each other for, the dinner, you know, yeah, I don't
2: know I that And regarding your question that you mentioned also uh, sometimes there is this uh, mindset that if I want to improve in my career, I need to go to managerial and sometimes they put them employee on that path be- not that they wanted to because they was performing well. There is really interesting book on the subject. What get you here doesn't get you there. And it elaborated that if you're good engineer and they make you engineer manager, those things that make you successful, you repeat it. It, it can make you failure, total failure here. You need to see what you're up to. There is another interesting read on the subject on uh, the first 90 days. That it prepare you for the journey. Not only for the people that they join the organization, but when you want to transition from one organization to, uh, from one position to another position, how you go that journey, how the people that they bring you make you successful or make it a failure, and from your perspective also. It's really, really
3: interesting great. I highly recommend.: yes. good. So good. So we've taken a step now and we've become an engineering managers. And we've defined the, the role of being an engineering manager. So then we were also talking about the difference between different companies. And we mentioned somewhere here about different sizes of the teams uh, changes. So, Ignacio, how, how could you, how, how would you, how could you talk a little bit about how you see the engineering manager's role change as the team grows with the company? Definitely. I,
4: I think that, well, to be able to talk about this, you need to have been in in a company that went from like a tiny group of five people super enthusiastic and, and caring about each other uh, to a scale up, uh, you know, like, and you see how people that you worked on a daily basis, you don't lo- no longer see them, you know, everyone just becomes, uh, they just have their own things and start doing uh, because they start caring about different problems in the organization. So what happens is that whenever you are, uh, I I am a fan of startups. I love like super small startups, five people. That's my opinion. And uh, I I love how the dynamics are in there in terms that whenever you are uh, an engineering manager at a startup, uh, which feels like a large title. I'm an engineering manager. Yeah, I have people like working with me and so on. Uh, then that it it becomes a role that it it can swap depending on the organization. Uh, And what do I mean with this is that uh, an engineering manager uh, in different organizations, they can have a lot more responsibility or they can have the same level, depending on how the organization is structured. Some companies, what they do is that they split up all of their teams in small delivery teams. So every single team is responsible for one specific thing. So it's kind of like your own startup inside the company. So the engineering manager role doesn't really change that much. Of course, it's different because you are now, uh, you need to talk to a lot more people to organize things. But in in the core of the responsibility, it doesn't really change. You have your delivery team. The structure is very similar as, as if you were a startup at the moment. But in other companies, what what you have is that you have the engineering manager that becomes kind of like a head of engineering, where this person is responsible for other engineers, sorry, (laughs) that are at the same time caring for their teams. So the engineering manager role can be responsible for other, let's say, tech leads or for other PMs, depending on the company. This is like really, really different company from company. But also it can happen that the engineering manager role doesn't change depending on how the structure of the company is at the moment.
1: What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to reflect over the, the company where I used to work prior. When I, when I joined the we were fewer than 10 people. When I left, we were about 150, something like that. So that entire transition, as you said, it goes through so many different phases. So what we did in the beginning with a team of of five engineers and what we did at the end with a team of, I don't know, 60, 70, whatever we were, right, was totally different. We, they were, everything had changed. So the responsibility of everyone down to the individual level, to the engineering managers, to the PMs that were added, to the design managers that were added, everyone that was having a totally different kind of responsibility. I think coming back to the, how we started this, the base responsibility for the engineer manager manager always comes down to ensuring that the team can deliver as good as possible with the best team possible. I think that's the, the core of it. That's super important to focus on. So well, that's brilliant. But on that topic, um, giving the ball to Medit.
3: if you have a team and you take over a team, How, how do you, how do you know that you're performing well?
1: Mm.
3: <laughs> the measurement... The measurement
2: that like uh, that is uh peter director have this quote if you cannot measure it you cannot improve it and how you measure it's different organization have different yardstick to measure their things like that there is based on velocity based on uh, kpi okr but it doesn't matter what yardstick you use it's matter how you use it whether you know underlying concept whether you bring result oriented concept into the picture or no, you just blindly follow something that you you don't know the underlying reason. Uh, based on my uh, understanding, it is the you're the seek that you know why you bring it up, how it add value to the organization. Uh, the book that I can recommend on this uh, measure what matter and they describe how OKR bring Intel and make Intel Intel, and how Google evolved OKR and make their own version, and they really leverage on it to make Google Google. I can see OKR have been implemented so many places, but not as effective as those really big players because they know underlying concept, how, how OKR works, Actually in Google they make it in two different categories of OKR. One OKR that hey is achievable, we aiming to achieve it. One AKR OKR one set of OKR is is overarching goal that hey if we really go extra mile, if we really wanna do fantastic things, this is something that we wanna do. It's bring some kind of inspiration to the thing. Hey, if you do this it means that this team is overachieving. It's the
1: message that you deliver also is make or break the tape. That is my two cents. I want to get back to the question that Tobias had. Uh, but first off, I think OKRs is a special topic. We can have in an hour just talk <laughs> about OKRs, right? Uh, totally. Yeah. I, I am perhaps not the... Uh, the guy that promotes OKRs the most. <laughs> I understand that the purpose of them and I think outcome is more important than output, but I think the administrative task of managing the OKRs, you need a certain size of an organization to be able to do that. So running OKRs in a small company puts so much admin pressure on the team and organization, so the result of having the OKRs is actually lost. One, one, no. one second. So I'm I understand the purpose of them, but I'm not so super fond of them. Yes, 100%. I do relate exactly to that. So I would like to ask you: Can you put numbers? Of- <laughs> oh no, I can't. I can't. As is more, but yeah. So do you figure can it start? Well, or- when they are good up, we we ran OKRs at the tech file at 150 people, and I'm skeptical that, that was the best way. Uh, it took a lot of time for us to admin that every quarter when we try to keep it up to date or keep it aligned, et cetera. And can you do it on 150 people? Yeah, I think you can do it on 150 people, uh, but you need them people assigned to actually run the process. And then you need to set people aside for that. And that kind of takes away because it, it should be a team responsibility. And if you have other people responsible for it, yeah. So I, I would say you need to pass somewhere perhaps double that size or make it... Does it have to be uh, binary though, like implementing OKR, OKRs or
3: not? So I feel just knowing about OKRs as a framework and that you, you start with an objective and then you add key results to it, like this is what we want to achieve, could that, just knowing about this framework and then adapting that to your decision, could that be... Uh...
1: I, I think there are a hundred different ways to implement that. Uh, and as I said, I think this could be a topic on its own. So... Uh... I don't know if you want to go down this Okay, <laughs> get back. It. Yeah, that can fit it to the question the question. How to know whether
3: your team is performing.
1: Oh yeah. Uh you can use <laughs> stuff there. Yeah. yeah, so so I think uh starting as an engineer manager or coming in as a new in a new organization as an engineer manager, you will in most cases always take over an already existing team. Uh and there is a reason for the Prior em to leave for some reason someone has decided to leave this team, and your first responsibility is basically to figure out why did this person leave because the team wasn't performing or was he he or she leaving because they got an offer somewhere and I think this is this comes down to how do you want to ensure that your team is coming performance so what did the prior manager either doing very, very good? it got promoted somewhere else, or failed to do. And that's that's then comes down to what's actually important to track. As many we're, were talking about, you you get what you track, right? So if you want to track uh, output, your engineers will focus on output. Uh, if you want to focus on, I don't know, cycle time, they will focus on cycle time. So. It's really important to find what are those parameters that are important for you in your organization and with your team. At that time, yeah, exactly, uh, and iterate over that, of course, definitely.
4: And and I think that also that's one of the things that I love about startups that it's it's so easy to measure startups uh, because you have nothing, so basically you're just like coming up with things as you go, and uh, and basically the the way that you measure is uh how do I know that you're, you're doing good or not? It's like you ask yourself, do we have clients? Do we have sales? You know like It's so basic. It's a basic questions. Like uh, do, you, do we have sales? Okay. And then if you want to like take it a notch up, it's like how is the quality of the things that we're delivering to our customers? Because we can have like, we can have a lot of sales, but at the same time, let's say that the experience that the, the customer is having is terrible. Uh, for whatever reason, maybe we have long-term contracts with the clients and they cannot exit our service, you know? Uh, so it, uh, that's why I, I, I love just measuring basic things with startups. And then when the organization starts growing, then of course, like all of the things that you mentioned, they start getting super important as well, because it's not only about the customers and the sales. So many things are internal for the team. They become important as well. So, But at the, but again, that's why I, I work with startups, because it's easy, easy to measure. And whether you call it KPI or KR or whatever, it's just measure something that is valuable to your company.
1: I was going to uh, ask, don't you always track MRRs, LTVs, CAC? It's it, always the same. It's always the same for every startup, actually.
2: You put in a sort of, so obvious. Everything is so tangible. You can see the old code. You can see everything. Okay. Yeah, uh, the problem is not a scalar. When it's go after some size, those measurement and those things that we used to work and you have visibility on is get out of control.
1: And that is the challenge challenge store. Yeah. I, sorry, I had one team once they realized that they had so much legacy code in their code base. So for themselves, they added a KPI tracking the amount of lines of code that they reduced every sprint. Just yes, to get rid of old stuff. And it I it's not a good KPI to track or <laughs> would it? But it was super fun that they tried to track for for some time where they realized that they were actually man able to cut down their code base quite dramatically just by focusing on ensuring that okay, so we need to get rid of old stuff that we don't know. So let's have some sprints right. where we get not only doing new feature developing, but we also get some new uh, refactoring in. So we get rid of all this old legacy stuff that we're carrying with us. I love that. So, so there's this horror
3: story from IBM right? where they they found the the bonus program to lines of code. So the more lines of code that you wrote, the higher bonus. That did not turn out well.
1: Just I can imagine why. Huh? <laughs> no, but, no, but it is also the classic the author the way that you get paid per. Uh um line of text in a book right so, so it's also but i, I love that the,
3: the temporal aspect of it here and from my personal perspective we had a lot of trouble uh with testing and like feeling confident before deployments and we want to make deployments a very non-dramatic experience so we had no tests so that's still been a very good combination so our focus down was to focus on code coverage Code coverage is a very blunt instrument, but at least it gives you something like. Right? If you have 10%, that's not very really good. If you have 50%, that's at least better, but then after to that. So, so as Combs coverage increased, we know we get better uh, confidence in our systems, and then we can leave that measure, but we can matter later. But temporal aspect is a big thing in yeah. that but, but then uh, Ignacio and then, like, we, we've taken over our team and things are going grow, and we're talking about scale-up, scale scale-up and stuff, and measure with things. Like when you when you're growing and you're adding people, recruiting people, what what are you looking out for? Are you quantifying things or what? How how are you thinking about that question?
4: I, I think that in recruiting it's like it can be its own topic for another two hours of discussion, uh, but it comes down to like to what are you putting together in terms of okay, let's say that uh, it's a specific team or let's say that uh, at some point I'm the engineering manager of a specific team. Then the thing that I try to do is I try to balance knowledge because, you know, like tech in itself, it's tricky. Uh, there are backends, sorry, back-end, front-end or DevOps and, and you try to at least find someone that will bring a, new, uh, a good addition to the team, will bring something new. Uh, but that's only from a technical perspective then things start getting a lot trickier when you put other aspects in place. You need to uh, make sure that that person that you're bringing in, he or she will fit inside the organization. And even more, uh, organization is one thing, then that person needs to fit inside the team itself. Uh, Because in an organization with, I don't know, a thousand people, you can imagine that there are different personalities on each single team. And so What I care about is, of course, one thing, bring a specific value, a a knowledge that will bring the team up. But at the same time, it's bring a good personality. I'm gonna sit with you daily. We're gonna have chats. We're gonna talk about things that are not related to work maybe. And I wanna have someone that it's, uh, it's a good tea player, you know, that it's easy to talk to, that we can enjoy things that are maybe not work related. Uh, But at the same time, you need to be good at what you do.
1: I think that it's a balance between things. You quite often talk about technical fit and culture fit, right? But I think it's even more important to talk about uh, technical ad and culture ad. So you as an individual, what do you actually bring into the team? Not being like everyone else, because we already got those people in the team. So what do you bring into the team? And I think that's, you talk about it, like how... If you're going to sit with someone at least eight hours per day, yeah. you want someone that is adding some, something to the conversation. Otherwise, you already got the people <laughs> they <didn't> are <laughs> talking through. Yeah.
3: How about you, Mehdi? What's your thoughts on our true recuperation thing, Brohi? I totally agree with uh, both of point of views, uh, being culture
2: fit, technical fit, as well as adding something on top of it, make everybody's uh, like, sometimes they're acting as glue, Some uh, some of the team members When you remove that, the whole team will collapse. Those kind of uh, elements within the team is really a blessing, I can say, and essential if you can make it happen. Uh, Bringing these things from my point of view, when it's come to the uh, recruitment, uh, as you mentioned, it's going to be the whole topic. But uh, first, attitude. Second, how fast the person can learn. Hurt the value that they add on the immediate, because I have gone through this experiment that we needed some skill really badly within the team. Brain really expert, a person that could call God in that particular fit, and the whole team was miserable and they just wanted that fellow so bad out of the team, not only added any value, it's demoralized the team, it's demolish the team. And I learned from the experience that the, the value that they add, sometimes it doesn't worth it. Steve Jobs has, has it, uh, quote, uh, having a hole is better than having an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> in within, within the thing. Like it's better not to fill up that requirement, that position, unless you have a fit that, you know, it goes with your organization culture. But I can go, I'll take
3: carry on on this.
2: Uh, there are, there are re- really good books on this topic. Uh, Work Rule by Laszlo Bock. It's really interesting how Google do the recruitment. Another is uh, Delivering Happiness, which is talking about the culture, how important it is to build a team. And when you don't do that, what what is the price that you pay?
3: It is among the really, really interesting this is also awesome. so personally I, I love to read books. Uh that's I go through a lot of books every year. And the if you guess you can see is a walking library. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so we have this intention that we want to build a team, we have an idea of what we want to fit in and the value add or the technical add and the culture add. How do we or what are your thoughts about following out and seeing like R and D intuition? Because usually in recruitment you will have very short words of time to evaluate the person. How do you, do you have any thoughts about you want, do you have any thoughts about following that up and like seeing whether you were right?
1: Yeah, so I I think that's interesting. I want want to take one step back in that and kind of answer the prior question and follow along into this. So I think it's, I put this in quotes. It's super easy to find good engineers. I know that there is a lack of that, right? But just finding a good engineer isn't really that hard it's way harder to find a good individual that will fit into your team and you are the one that knows what you're lacking in your team so when i try to recruit i expect them to have the engineering skill set that we need but i try to look for personal traits that i think is necessary for my teams to advance so i want individuals that are communicative i want them to be uh, like to collaborate with, with other individuals because I think it's 20 years ago you could be an engineer in the corner writing a thing, releasing it, and you were done. Now you need to share the knowledge and know-how around what you're building and how it's working, right? So I think being uh, communicative is a super uh, important personal trait. Another personal trait that I look for is your drive and engagement. You want to make things better. You should take the accountability and not just looking at the thing and saying, okay, that's not my responsibility, it doesn't work, but to understand, okay, so how does it affect me? What kind of responsibility do I take? need to take in this to ensure that it becomes better? And having individuals that take accountability, that, likes to, uh, that ensures to drive things forward and are communicative about that, if you found those individuals, the follow-up with these individuals will be way easier in your team you will see if the individuals are actually, over time, of course, you need your onboarding time. Everyone needs time to get up to speed, right? But if you have people doing this onboarding and you see that they take a bigger responsibility for the things the team is responsible for, if they start to bring in new topics and they they, uh, share what they find with the rest of the team, then I think you have started to find those kind of individuals. That will allow you to build a successful team over time. How do you follow it up in data? I don't have a good answer, but I think you can see it in the guess t- output in a team if that individual is providing what is expected. Yeah, do you have a good way to track it from those side? I me in mean
3: quantifiable. Uh, just uh, any ideas that you have about following up, because. I, when, when you're talking to us now, I find myself agreeing and like, I keep saying that it's a great order for me that they fit into the team, so I think a lot, a lot about like different people. And I keep iterating to myself that it's super important that they fit into the team. But then I realize also that I don't actually owe up to prove to myself or disprove myself that, you know, this actually worked out. Because you have such a short amount of time with uh, candidates, so it's, it's tricky to do.
1: every time you interview someone, you meet them basically for an hour. Best case, one and a half. And you make uh, a decision that will affect both their and your life. So you really need to trust that uh, impression that you get in that one and a half hour. And I think, I don't know, uh, doing these kind of eight to ten sessions of interviews. I think those would wear everyone down. So how do you find the right amount of time that you spend together to know enough to make that kind of decision? We are doing a thing today for a a regular engineer. I think we're doing five interviews. Like a a first meet up with the HR in the Canada pitch session. Then they meet uh, EM for kind of understanding the team. Then we do one or two tech use depending on a little bit on, on level. And then they meet the engineering director for that area. So I guess it's four, 4 or five different tips as well. But in the yeah, it is. Do you add
3: some technical assignment depending on the road? Or?
1: Yeah, So so we got, depending on engineering level, we do have two different the uh, developer tests, uh, where they meet other engineers, preferably from the team and discuss a couple of engineering topics. We do that.
0: i it was around uh, at which stage?
1: Uh, yeah, so they, they meet the team quite late in the process. They meet the engineer manager quite early on, but they meet the team quite late in the process. Yeah, so at least two candidates from the team. Uh, we, in in that scenario, the decision is not 100% made, but 80% made at least. That we think is a candidate that is good enough to move into the organization. We just want the, the final personal touch if we think that this is an individual that we want to spend eight hours per day with. Uh, so then when when that happens, we basically have the, technical decision, we have agreed on all the practical stuff with salary, etc. And that is more of a, do you think you can work together? Uh, I haven't in, in the last two years, We haven't had any case when they met the team and the team said no. Uh, so I think the vetting process up until then is quite solid. So uh, it's okay if they meet them quite late on, but I think it's an important step. Uh, and it, it's also an inclusion step from the team side. So even if they don't, perhaps not that have that much power in the decision, they feel that they are a part of that decision being made.
0: Interesting. And I, I, uh, I was in the uh, first startup time and I remember one thing i learned from that is that, uh, we, as uh, team members at the time, we years to, uh, to do it on this. it was like a most hot startup at all, because you have to see that it's very high commands like, and extremely a huge amount of applicants. Yeah. And then we developed this way of, you know, pretty much voting for who we want to happen in our organization. And then we got uh, rotated a lot about who who we think fits, you know. But these voting sessions could be fight brutal, you know, where we would be sitting and at one first like them. Um then we would have said no, because we had to fight the man, you know. Uh, but this is like a scale-up situation, not a start-up a- artwork. It's like, um, Yeah, it, it's nice to pat. But yeah, yeah, my, I, I I think it's really important, that seems to me, for I have this effort. Yeah, uh,
1: I agree. And I think, uh, correct me if, if someone knows that I'm wrong now, but I think uh, Amazon started uh, quite early on to have individuals from different parts of the area being part of the interview process to ensure that uh, as an Indian director or as a director for one particular area, you made shortcuts in the recruitment process, or you were extra strong, or sorry, extra hard on the ones that you were recruiting. So, you actually had someone from somewhere else in the organization coming into the process to vet that the organization in itself would be quite equal in what we expect in recruiting a senior engineer versus a, a mid or whatever, depending on how you classify. Exactly, exactly. To bring it in, not bias in. Okay, so this is awesome. I'm, I'm,
3: I'm getting so much out of this, uh, but we only have five minutes. I know. So to round it up, like we talked about yesterday, that we could probably do this for. A second. <laughs> but I, I wanted to round it up with some like concrete takeaways. Uh, so Ignacio, if you could, if you could uh, give some 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 tips or recommendations that you would give to someone who is new in this or that have helped you concretely in your career as an mentor. Oh, cool.
4: tricky question. <laughs> uh, but I would say that. Just remember that you're working with people and everyone has something outside of the office. Like the office is not all, it's not everything. Uh, remember that everyone has something going at home. Maybe people have bad days. That's normal, you know, so enjoy working with people. Enjoy like yeah, having conversations like, but genuine conversations so just don't do it just because of the sake of it, just go because you care. And whenever you start caring about people, the amazing thing is that people care back, you know, and they will care about you as well. And in this process, whenever, because with the processes that we have in place, we will make sure that uh, whatever people go and work with you, they are technically proficient and they will check a lot of boxes. But for you, you need to check the other box that is, okay, be a nice person. And, And that's pretty much it. I think that's uh, what I can take with me and I take with me on a daily basis is I work with people regardless of what they do. And uh, and for me, so far, it has worked. It has worked. So, yeah, fellowship with it. Great. I, I really
2: like your comment and it's amazing. Be a good person. It's uh, take it really a different level. Uh, from my point of view, I say habit. Build. Continuous improvement is something that you need to make it and make it as a habit to do it on regular basis. There there are two really good books, Power of Habit and uh, Atomic Habit, that teach you how to build habit in a way that if, without you knowing it, you are just doing it. And if you do continuous improvement in part of your habit, it really gives you a slight edge. and. They are in the, especially in IT, in the technology, everything is evolving so fast. If you are not catching up with it, you gotta get expired. And you know, there is a quote with uh, Aristotle, said, we are what we do. Excellent, then excellent is an act, is not an act, but a habit. And if you make a habit of doing continuous improvement, it really helps you, might not be this year, might not be next year, but accumulation. It will really, really show itself
3: sooner or later. So you want to share some
1: lost <laughs> Um, no, I just want to say it, its it's way easier to smile and to shout, right? So trying to tackle things with a smile is way easier than, than shouting at people. Um. Okay, so I'm going to end this with a book. Since you've been dropping books the entire evening I'm <laughs> going to end this with a book. There is a guy called Will Larson. Uh, he's given out a book called The Elegant Puzzle. It's really uh, it's an odd kind of book. What he's doing uh, in it is that he it's he's focusing on engineer management. And everything is like uh, one or two sentence part. Like, this is the problem, do this. This is the problem, do this. And it does that for 200 pages. Wow. So, so it's quite interesting to read, but there are so much content in that book. So if you want to start somewhere, and if you want to get um, an inspiration for how to tackle different problems, I really think that's a good way, good place to start. Uh, but coming back to as we started, all organizations are different, right? So what he's doing right now is the, I think it's the CTO at Colm at the moment. and And what he's doing right now, might not fit your organization, but it's a really good ace to start,
3: pretty good. So, please, thank you guys uh, for, for coming and tonight and sharing everything. I've learned a month, and I hope you best as well, so, big thank
0: you to for... <laughs>